One of the things that stuck out to me about that video, did you catch it with Pastor Brian describing the process, how they navigate moment by moment, that it's looking to the past, looking to the present, what are the blessings, what are the things we're learning, how are we growing through this right now, and also what's in the future is promise and goodness and security. And so I wanted to go on that theme as, as we say Happy New Year to 2024, that God has been faithful, God is faithful, and what? God will continue to be faithful. Everybody say that together. Let's just rejoice in the truth of this. God has been faithful, God is faithful, and God will continue to be faithful. Amen? One of the things we can anchor, everyone needs an anchor in life. If you don't have an anchor, or just think about what is your anchor. Everybody does have an anchor. We put faith in something. Some of us, many things. But how big is that anchor is really the truth. What, what is the anchor of your life? How, what do you go to in times when you need strength and security and reassurance that this isn't the end of the story? What is your anchor? And some of us may even say, Jesus is my anchor, But when it comes down to it, our testing of our faith proves who our anchor is or what our anchor is and how big it is. I'll tell you a quick story. And I promise um, I'm I'm looking at the clock. We're going to be close uh, to an hour full service time. I I promise myself and you guys will get there. But I have a story before we read the scripture in Revelation. And that is I was praying with a couple in our community group a few years back. And... They were going through some tough times, and Wendy and I were meeting with them in our backyard around our patio table, and we were praying, and I was just, you know, silently praying for them, and, and as they're going through these, these kind of rough seas, we're praying, and I get this image of this boat in a bay, much like Avila. So if you're at Port San Luis at Avila Beach, and you're looking towards the cove, if you see a little tiny boat there, well, this little boat in my mind, my mind's eye was anchored, was by a huge chain, like, like ocean liner. Have you ever been on a cruise and seen the anchor? The chain links are ginormous, right? That, that, that was tethered to a huge anchor in the sand on the beach in this, in this image in my mind, and it was way overkill for, for what little boat it was attached to. And so I was praying, and I was like, Lord, is this something of a, of something you'd like me to share with our friends? And so I ended up doing that as we said amen. I said, hey, you know, this is the image that came to mind. I don't know if it means anything. I'm not saying, thus saith the Lord, but this is what I'm seeing. And it was so weird. He, he stands up. It was a really beautiful thing. And he starts untucking his shirt because I was describing this huge anchor and this little tiny boat and these huge links that the anchor was attached to at the shore. And he pulls up his shirt and turns around. And on his back was this huge anchor tattooed on his body from, you know, waist up to his shoulders. And he's like, that means everything because that's the theme of my life. I had no idea. And I was like, that's pretty telling, because that anchor's huge. But what a great picture. <laughs> <I'm glad. laughs> He's tattooed more than that. But um, it wasn't something I knew about. But the point is this, what is your anchor? That's what I'm asking going into this new year of myself. Where is really, truly my anchor? If it's Jesus, it's not going anywhere. Stable, true, faithful, secure, Anything else, not so. 
We sing about uh, everything on the solid rock is where I stand. Everything else is what? Sinking sand. On the solid rock, you stand if you're in Jesus today. End of 2023, solid. Not moving. Not going anywhere. So open your Bibles to Revelation chapter 4. I want to go through 4 and 5. It's a huge chunk. Not in terms of words, in terms of themes. And we're not going to go over the symbolism and everything here. But talk about an anchor in looking the past, looking at the present, and looking at the future. I want to look into heaven. What does heaven look like? How does it look like this that we're talking about today? I think there's cues here. And as we go into the end of the service, we're going to partake of communion. And we're going to see how Jesus looked to the past, the present, and the future, okay? In the Bible, we have Moses, we have David, we have Solomon, we have the prophets. They were all doing the same thing. If you look in the scripture, even the prayers at the first temple, Solomon saying all these things about what God did in the past. If you look at Moses leading the people, we look about how they were rescued from Egypt, et cetera, et cetera. And, the, and ultimately, Jesus does the same thing when he looks at the Passover feast and says, this is me in the present, but it's anchored to the past. So Revelation chapter 4, verse 1 says, After this I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. So John, the apostle, is going to go into this place in the Spirit, and he's going to see a door, and he's going to go through it. And the first voice, which I heard speaking to me like a trumpet, said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne. And he who sat there had the appearance of jasper and carnelian. And around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. So this huge throne, I imagine it's huge. It's got all these jewels. And the way John's describing this is familiar, but think totally rare, totally brilliant scene. Around the throne were 24 thrones. And seated on those thrones were 24 elders, clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their heads. Many commentaries uh, would point to the fact that they believe this to be the church elders around the throne. There's other perspectives, but that's the one that I kind of anchored into as far as using an anchor, is that we're around the throne, the people of God. From the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder, and before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne, there was at it... uh, There was at it were a sea of glass like crystal. And around the throne, on each side of the throne, are four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind. The first living creature like a lion, like a wild animal. The second living creature like an ox, like a domesticated animal. The third living creature with the face of a man, humankind. And the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight, all birds. Significant. All of creation are represented in those elders. And the four, verse 8, living creatures, each one of them with six wings and full of eyes all around and within, and day and night, they never cease to say. Now, here's the key. Look at the way that this is stated. What are they saying? Day and night, never ceasing, but holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. When you say something once in the Bible, you pay attention. Something twice, it's there as this is very true. Like, truly, truly, I say to you, that means bank on this. If you say something three times in the scripture, that's supreme. That's ultimate truth. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. What does holy mean? Completely separate. 
completely unique, completely set apart, completely used for the purposes of the Lord, is the Lord God Almighty, who was, get this, who was in the past and is present and what is to come. What do you see here? What do I see here? I see no change, but the most amazing, most desirable, most honorable, most worthy, most otherworldly God, who was, who is, and who is to come. See, when you watch that video of Pastor Brian, he's saying the same thing. We look to the past of his faithfulness. We look at the present, what he's gifted with us, and who he's gifted us with in terms of this community. And looking to the future, we know the end is this. That we're going to be around the throne of the most holy God. And we're going to be worshiping him there and seeing him as he is. Verse 9 says, And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. And they cast their crowns before the throne saying, worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they existed and were created. Jumping to the next chapter, chapter five. Then I saw on the right hand of him who is seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? What is a scroll? What is scrolls? What do they contain? They contain information, right? It's our books. We have a scroll and within without, and it's sealed with these seals. We don't know exactly what it is, but we know there's information from God because he's holding it. And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or even look into it. Verse 4 says, And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or look into it. So in other words, who's able to know the mind of God? Who's able to approach God? Who's able to get into his mind and see his plans? Many scholars would say this is the plans for God's plan for the world. And we had no one. John gets to the point where he's weeping. There's no one that can open it. No one's worthy. No one has the credentials, spiritually speaking. And I began to weep loudly. So he's, he's weeping. He's like, there's no hope right now in this moment. We're not going to know the plans of the Lord. Verse 5, and one of the elders said to me, weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. What a blessing to his heart in that moment. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and he took the scroll from the right hand of him who is seated on the throne and when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before God, so before the Lamb. Everyone in heaven prostrate in proper order before the Lamb. You guys, you take a sheep, there's no fangs on a sheep, there's no sharp teeth on a sheep. You take the newborn or the young one from the, from the sheep, it's a lamb. You take the lamb, how does it describe the lamb in the book of Revelation? With fangs, with claws, with aggression, 
How is this victorious lamb victorious? Verse 8, let's look at it again. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bulls, bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, worthy are you, lamb, to take the scroll and open its seals for you were slain. So you have, you have the, the weakest, most docile, most non-threatening animal, the young of that animal, and now that animal has an appearance as if it had been slain. Not victory. You don't look at that picture and see victory unless what? Unless the slain lamb was slain for divine purposes that God has instituted so that what? We could be saved. And there goes the worthiness of the lamb. You were slain, and by your blood, you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you've made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. And then I looked, and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels numbering myriads of myriads and thousands and thousands saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who is slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Did they withhold any worship whatsoever from the lamb? No. Who were they worshiping before the lamb came to open the scrolls or found worthy to? They're worshiping the one who sits on the throne, God himself. Now heaven is focused on the lamb that was slain, sent by God, what? To redeem mankind for the one on the throne. And he, this slain, defenseless, non-claw, non-sharp teeth, non-aggressive, this slain lamb is there before everyone and we're prostrating before him along with the elders and the myriad of angels acknowledging the worthiness of the slain lamb. You see, Christianity, you guys, as a whole, 2023 is accompanying this. 2024 can be enveloped in the future into this, that we have a conquering hero that's a slain lamb. Only God could come up with this. That's not how I would write the story. Would you? I would take, I don't know, who's um, Atlas. Atlas holding up the world. Huge, bulging muscles. You guys know Atlas, right? That's the right one, right? His name's Atlas? Yeah, thank you. I was, am I getting this wrong? <laughs> That's not this picture. The conquering one laid his own life down so that we could be ransomed from every corner of the world. And the four living creatures said in verse 14, amen, and the elders fell down and worshiped. So looking at that, that verse in chapter 4, again, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. All heaven, past, present, and future, revolves around the throne, one who sits on it, God, and his lamb that was chosen to be slain, who is worthy to open the scrolls and the seals and to reveal the true plans of God, which are to redeem mankind for God's purposes, so that we might glorify and worship him. And that, to me, is the penultimate anchor. So every diagnosis, every curveball that comes your way, every situation that you don't want part of this next year coming up, it all gets swallowed up in this scene eventually. Everything gets swallowed up in glory 
as we lose all sight. Notice what's not in this scene. Our pain, my own failures, my own regrets. We're not like on our face going, oh my gosh, I wish I I would have done this differently and that. It's like, no, we're all focused on the Lamb who redeemed all of us, unworthy people, to God so that we could be around that throne and worshiping on our faces before the one who was slain. That is our anchor. That is an anchor that will never change. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and, and God was faithful, God is faithful, God will be faithful. I'm going to have the worship team come up. We're going to partake in the best way I know how to celebrate this truth together as we celebrate the anchor of our lives with communion. And, and Paul the Apostle, I love how he summarizes this. And, and listen to this. As we talk about the past, the present, and the future, Jesus did the same thing when he was at the Passover supper with his disciples. And Paul summarizes it this way. As they get set up, I want to read this to everyone. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. This is the Passover bread. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So Jesus wants us to routinely take and partake of communion not just so we can partake of a meal, but because we can liken it to the past you know, results of the Passover, which is what? Where God went through Egypt, passed over, seeing the blood of the lamb on the doorpost of the house. He would then, the angel of death, pass over that house, seeing the blood applied to that family home, and thus redeeming them out of slavery into the promised land eventually. That's what we have here. He's saying all of this, this bread, what we celebrate, the focal point, is in remembrance of me. In the same way, it says, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you're announcing the Lord's death until he comes. So that's what we're going to do this morning. Let's celebrate the fact that Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me as we recall what he's done by being the lamb who was slain. We'll have elements in the back on the tables. We have elements up here. Uh, We have gluten-free elements in the back, so if you need that, partake of those elements back there. And then we have these these two lovely couples up here ready to serve as well. And as the worship team plays, we're going to come receive the elements and return to our seats. Then we'll partake together, okay? I'll lead us in that. But I wanted to say something really important. No matter how young you are, our kids are with us. No matter how old you are, no matter what you've done in your life, the failures, the regrets, all that, God knows it. Jesus knows it. And yet, knowing that, he still went to the cross to pay for your sin and mine. Calvary was an ugly cross. It was a scene of horrendous pain. But he did that willingly for all of us so that we could know truly how much he loves us. A gift is only a gift like we just had at Christmas. It's only a gift as we receive it. 
if we don't open the present, we never receive really the gift that was given to us. It's like that with communion, only we're invited to a table open to everyone. Every tribe, every tongue, every nation is around the throne. It's true right now in this moment. If you know, you know what? If it comes down to it, I don't really, I never really received the gift of Jesus. I've never left a, a place where my independence was surrendered for his sovereignty. If that's not if that's not something you could confidently say that you've done, I'm just encouraging you. The table is closed unless that's happened in your heart. It's internal. If it's happened in your heart, you're invited. But it's a, it's a closed table only in much as your pride would keep you away from that meal. Where he says, remembrance of me, that's he can take anyone. The invitation is open to come to this table and say, Jesus, I need you. I need your broken body. I need your shed blood because I know I have sin that needs paid for. So we come grateful. Amen. We come expecting God to move in our lives, even through trials. And this is our statement of faith that I have you, Jesus, as my anchor in my life. You're not going anywhere. So let's all stand together. And as you would, front to back, let's go ahead and grab some elements that are served to us while the worship team plays. Let's return to our seats and we'll partake together.